G'day everyone and welcome to Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. I'm your host, Amy McCann, and after spending more than a decade repping the green and gold for Australia, I've swapped my glove for a microphone to bring you some of the great stories of our sport. Now, choosing who would bat first on this podcast was no easy decision, as there are so many great stories in our sport. But today, I'm so excited to bring to you the inaugural guest on this podcast, and that is Australia's Laura Needs. Lulu, as she's known to most, has been playing baseball for nearly 25 years, and half of that she has spent in the Australian team. In this episode, Laura will tell us about her journey through the sport, from a seven-year-old in T-ball to her Australian debut, pitching for Australia in a World Cup final, her aspirations of playing in a seventh World Cup, and she talks openly about the tragic loss of her best mate and friend to many of us, Jacinda Barclay. Laura. Welcome to Inside Pitch. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Now, one of the goals of the podcast is to to really show just how far around the world uh, women in baseball, women's baseballers uh, really reach. Can you tell us where you are talking to us from today? Um, I am from Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. I am currently down south in Kayama tonight, having a little holiday in my camper van. Nice. And... I love hearing stories about baseball. Has baseball been in your day apart from this podcast? Have you had baseball in your day at all? Yeah, I actually went for a throw today. <laughs> went for about a 12 to 16K hike today along the coast and then went and had a throw in prep for the showcase coming up. We will get to the showcase a little bit later. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. But look, one of the other things I love talking to women's baseball, girls baseballers about is how they got started because baseball is not exactly an obvious sport. I think it is now women's Women and girls are playing all different sports, but I think when you and I first started, it was probably not so obvious. Um, what? Where did you start? How did you start? What do you remember from that first day? Yep, so it definitely didn't come from a baseball family. I started playing baseball when I was seven. Um, my older brother had a friend who decided to play, um, and so they found a local club team, um, and I just used to go down and watch and me and my dad would have a throw on the sideline there. Even from a young age, throwing mechanics seemed pretty good um, and hand-eye coordination seemed pretty good um, and just started filling in for my brother's team um, and then eventually started playing um, and then continued to play with him. So that was really good for my point of development because I always played up um, a year or two with him and play with the boys and then once I turned about 13 I found out about women's baseball which was kind of crazy to me because I was like what do you mean I just can't keep playing with the boys Um, and you can obviously but in terms of rep things and um, you know higher honours I guess um, found out about women's baseball so started um, down that track. And what was it about baseball? There's so much to do. You go hit, you go field, you go throw. What was the one thing that, that grabbed you at the start and that locked you in? Um, I, I don't know if there's one thing. I, I remember when I was younger, I hated hitting, actually. I, it scared me, to be honest, um, when I was you know 10 years old, which is quite funny now looking back on. But probably loved, loved throwing and, and loved fielding and eventually loved hitting. Um, you know, when, when I was 11, maybe. <laughs> so um, I think I just love the, as I get older, I love the team environment of it all and just the people you meet. And I have the most fun um, on a baseball field when 
you walk to a field at night, you know, I remember when I was like 14 and walking to a field and it's like, oh, this is why you live. Like, it's just amazing seeing a baseball field under lights and I think it's awesome. Well, you talk about the team. You're a Sydney sider, you're a proud Greenway giant. Um, I see you've just won the sixth, your sixth straight, was it, premiership um, in A-grade women's? Yeah, sixth in a row. Um, we've got about nine or ten um, premierships all up with the Greenway Club um, over the years, but the sixth in a row, which is amazing and true testament to the, the team we have here and I think the coach um, we have at the helm as well of that. Yeah, and, and the Needs family, it's not just yourself out on the mound or in the batter's box. Your, your dad, Pete, and your mum are such an integral part. Just talk us through, I guess, the mountain of work that you do as a family and I guess the why, like what is it that, that brings you guys, guys back? I mean, we all know the why, but what is it for your family? Yeah, so mum scores. Um, she loves it. Um, I can tell you why, actually, she loves it, but she just <laughs> loves uh, being a part. Maybe that's her part of way to be a part of it um and Pete my dad loves baseball he's so passionate um about the game and about seeing people grow and develop I think and that's one of the really cool things um I don't think a lot of daughters get to go have this love and passion of the same sport with their dad and get to then do that together um you know, we've been training together since I was seven, basically, for baseball. And it's really cool to see him um, kind of grow as a coach. He never played baseball, never knew anything about the game when he was young, but definitely a sporty guy, played rugby and everything. Um, but to see him learn the game and see him grow and develop um, has been really cool from my perspective. Um and then to be able to go and coach with him is, again, something that's really cool. We've coached Greenway together. We've coached um, the under-15s New South Wales team together. And I don't that, I think that's a rarity um, and something that, you know, we share a little special bond um, with that. And, it, yeah, that's really cool. And I'm, I'm just so lucky um, to have a dad who pretty much outthrows me, you know, in terms of <laughs> – number of throws of BP he'll just throw and throw and throw and um, I'm so lucky that I have that to get that number of reps in and that helps then my development and my my game. Well I think we've all been pretty lucky your dad and your mum on the sidelines particularly at the World Cup. Um, Yeah they love it. Best supporters. (laughs) Um, To New South Wales you're like all New South Wales players proud proud New South Wales repping the blue pretty privileged to for yourself in your development of your career being able to play alongside the likes of some of the legends in our game and, and the world game in Tani Lovering, Katie Gaynor, Brooke Shields and also being coached by John Gaynor. What what was what was that like and how important was that for your development? Yeah, that was huge. Um for me when I so I started playing in New South Wales when I was fourteen. Um and kind of the big four for me were um biggest Renee Stromitis, um, Ange Catford back then, Katie Gaynor and Brooke Shields. Um, as the years went on, you know, Tani developed into an absolute legend and um, such a gamer on the field. But but those four, when I was coming through, they were, um, I guess, some of the core um, of the New South Wales team. And for me, like having someone like Renee Stromitis as a mentor, um, for me, she was 
I see as the best player in the country um, at that time in her prime. So to be able to train at shortstop with her every training, just the things that you learn just from having conversations um, with her on the field was second to none. And she kind of set the bar for me. Um, and I think I'll be forever like chasing that level of skill and success um, that she had. And I'm very, you know, so lucky to call her my best friend. Um, that translated to a friendship in life, um, that kind of bond on the field. And, you know, she's my big sister and that's pretty cool to have your, your idol, um, you know, on, on the field to someone off the field that you, you can share so many things with, um, work together, hung out all the time. And then what you learn from baseball. And, um, for me, I guess I hope that I can have kind of half the impact on a young player coming through that she had on me, I'd be pretty happy with that. And that's a big kind of push for me to to help develop those, those younger players and be that kind of um, assistance and inspiration for, for those younger girls coming through because she was, yeah, amazing um, for me. And the, the other guys as well, Ange, Katie, Chuck, Tani, they're, they're just fun people to play with. They're just good people. Um, and on top of that, they're amazing players. So what what you get by playing with them, sometimes you don't even realise at the time, but the lessons that you learn, um, you know, we've had such good battles over the year with Victoria. Um, even my first nationals was 2005 and that was at Altona and we were down by 10 um, in that and to see, you know, I was on the bench that and to see the girls come back from that, Katie hit a bomb and she hit a bomb to the fence and we were down by 10 and came back and lost maybe like 12, 11 um, or something like that. So that's like one of my favourite memories um, with baseball and kind of set the bar for how New South Wales um, should play and that was pushed by that core group. Um, with them and I guess for me as well like hitting with those people um, in a group it, it can be quite overawing um, <laughs> you know if you're you're warming up batting practice and they're hitting to the warning track and I think for me it was always like don't don't try and be Katie Gaynor <laughs> be be me hit your line drives to the outfield um, and again, that's, you know, trying to teach that to the next generation of people coming through. Don't try and be the next Katie Gaynor, be the next Laura Needs kind of thing. Be the next Amy McCann, be the next you. Mm, exactly. Now, look, I remember that 2005 Nationals like it was yeah. yesterday. I was in the outfield. Was <laughs> and I didn't think it was going to end at one point, but <laughs> I was very glad it did. And we, Victoria, did hang on in that instance. Yeah. Um, but you go back to um, your wanting to develop and coaching in the game and you're coaching girls now and playing alongside girls that you've coached since they were 10 mm. or so at your club level. How exciting is that? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, we've been doing clinics at Greenway for the junior girls from yeah when they were in maybe under 10s or so. Um, and to see a bunch of those come through and now be playing women's league um, with a few probably joining us in A grade next year as they turn 15, that's awesome because you remember them as these tiny little children and now they're these teenagers and they're in the game still. And it's not it's so much more than baseball really. That helps them with confidence and life skills and that all 
translates into that. So the fact that they're still playing, you know, you hope that you've had an influence in that. Um, we've actually got a couple of girls in our team, the O'Sullivan sisters, Claire and Elle, they coached a junior team. Um, they coached, uh, Elle might have done like an under 10s and Claire did a, an under 12s or under 14s. And again, some of those girls that they coached are now training with us um, in A grade. So that's, it's just really cool to see that. It's really special for me to see that. I hope that it means something to them um, too. Um, but it's really cool to have that bond and see them grow up. It's awesome to give back. It's yeah. such a great feeling. And it's, yeah. it's a lot of us, there's a lot of girls in women's baseball and women in baseball giving back. It's great to see. To the Australian team, it seems you, you 2008, um, you got your first call up when you were 18. Now, I can't remember what actually happened. I remember we first used to get letters <laughs> then I think it went to emails and then um, I, think, I think there was some phone calls and then there might have been in-persons. I can't remember what it was in 2008, but can you remember, did Johnny call you? Do yeah. You remember you were, yeah, you, I think it was um, phone calls from Johnny Gaynor um, at the time, um, which was pretty awesome. He's been probably the biggest impact on my playing career other than Pete as a coach um, so to have him coaching the Australian team and getting the call up from him was pretty amazing um, yeah I was 18 I'd, I'd made the squad the year before um, which was really cool and um, it was really cool really special for me to again like line up with my best friend being Renee Stromitis um, to have the opportunity to play in the Australian team um, with her was really, really special for me. Um, and same thing with Jacinda Barclay coming through as 15, 16-year-olds together and joining, you know, together in the Australian team, um, just kind of to see our growth through the game um, kind of at similar periods was, was really, really cool. We talk about your growth during the game. I mean, I want to talk to you about your growth during that World Cup. You're there as a teenager on debut. You get a relief um, you're asked to relieve the first game mm-hmm. um, on debut, which is awesome. India, yep. Yep. And then we go to the end of the World Cup. Yeah. You <laughs> come up to bat. You're hitting the only run of the yep. bronze medal game that we yeah. score. We go down to the USA in one of the more memorable and un- – <laughs> I'm still not get- not over that game. We yeah, lost no, that game 2-1. Right. Yeah. Um, but what – that that – I can't – You've always, from start to the end of your career, haven't really shown much. You always look like you have every situation control, no matter what you're, you're doing on a baseball field. What were you feeling in both those situations as a rookie? Yeah, so first game um, against India um, went on in relief. I feel like that was the adrenaline pumping. I feel like that was some of the hardest pitching I've ever thrown. Um, I think Johnny said that to me as well. You looked like your heart was jumping out of your chest. Um, and it was coming out in some velocity. So that was good. Um, but just to kind of harness, that was really, really cool. Like that's what you work for to, to play at the highest level, all the years of hard work. Um, you know, I think it definitely took me an inning to settle in, um, there for things to calm down, but yeah, it was awesome um, pitching. That's that's what you play for. Um, and then the, the bronze medal game, um, yeah, really interesting. I remember being in the dugout. Wiggle was pitching um, that game. I think she pitched the whole game for yeah, us. Her and Sematelli both yep. went seven. Yep. Epic. Um, so I remember 
uh, being in the dugout and she'd come in each innings and be like, you know, are you ready? You ready to go out there and pitch? I'd be like, oh, really? Okay, yeah, sure. You know, I go, yeah, I'm ready. Yep, yep, we got that. Um, and then from a, a hitter's perspective as well, just being in there, being ready. I remember watching the game and, like I said, Marty was out there throwing a heap of curveballs, heap of curveballs. I was like, oh, okay, well, we're not doing too well with that. But, yeah, if I was in there, I can just hang back, hit one to right side. That's That's what we do. That's... That's the plan kind of thing. So I guess just playing that over in your head over and over, um, you know, visualising that and just being ready that whole game and then got the call up to pinch hit. Um, must have been in the seventh, yeah. Um, with, yeah, runners on two and three, I think it was, and came up. And yep. runners on, I think Julia Fellows was on third. Yep. Renee yep. on second, Julia on yep. three. Um, yeah, and first pitch, curveball away. I was definitely jumpy um, with that, but it's like, take a breath. Yep, you've got this. Okay, same pitch, next one, curveball over strike zone, um, line drive to right field and scored a run. So that was awesome. Um, again, it's it's what you do every week at, you know, clubs, what you do every week at training, and that's why you do that, to, to go and try and execute those big moments. Um, so it was really cool to be able to, to do that. God, I thought I had a great memory. You, you're remembering every pitch of every at bat from years ago. I think I need to. I think I need to tap into your memory for my uh, for my next. I don't know. Next few I don't know if they'll all be there. A couple of them are there. <laughs> Look, a heartbreak for Australia. We mm. f- fourth place again for the third World Cup in a row. Yeah. Um, the next two years under Johnny and Dom and, and Darren and that we we worked our backsides off, and we flip ahead to 2010, mm-hmm. Venezuela. Mm-hmm. And I think, and perhaps I should, I think we should just do a whole podcast series on the 2010 <laughs> World Absolutely. Cup. Um, for people listening to this episode who aren't quite up on the World Cup history and women's baseball, I don't think 2010 will ever be forgotten by anyone that was involved. Pretty much in a nutshell, the Women's World Cup went to, to Venezuela and there were, there were two pools, Caracas and Maracay. We went out on day one, we lost to Canada. And then day two, we were scheduled to play the night game against Venezuela. Um, the crowd was brewing. We were waiting to warm up and suddenly something happened. We weren't quite sure. Um, Hong Kong and the Netherlands ran off the field. We got ushered out of the stadium, uh, put underneath the stadium, sorry, and under security guard. And then it slowly trickled through that one of the Hong Kong girls had been shot in the leg, which I don't... I. I I'd like to hear your perspective. I know what mine, like we all sort of think back now and it was just, it still feels so unbelievable that Mm. that happened. What was your memories from that whole situation in the stands? Yeah, I remember us um, being up in the stands, just having a a laugh and sitting there and it it was just that, what do you mean she's been shot? What? Sorry, what? Kind of thing. And then that was that, um, okay, everyone get, get your hats off, cover all your Australian gear, get in the corner. Um, you know, just stay down. And it was just that little bit of, uh, I guess, fear of the unknown there. Um, we already had probably six armed guards with us at all times. So you're already in a country where you're already on your senses are heightened already. So um, that it was just a crazy time for me, really, from being up on there, being taken down into our little bunker um, under the dugout was a lot more relaxed down there um, just being with the the Venezuelans down there who seemed to 
that was just everyday life uh, for them and mm. she might be shot, she might have the flu, who knows. That was kind of their response. So Quite of the, quite of yeah. the Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy time. Um, but you just went with the flow and you, you had your teammates there so it all seemed okay at the time. Yeah, and it's interesting <clears throat> you should say that because I think we, we went back to the hotel, mm. all the teams, got a little bit surreal seeing Hong Kong, how upset they were mm. and... The next 48 hours was interesting. We had the government and all the authorities. We thought we were going home. I think at one point we were. The whole tournament was off. Mm. Um, we were in lockdown. We, it was almost like we were in quarantine or we were locked down of the pandemic. We were stuck on our floor. We weren't yeah. allowed to go out unless we were take, taken down to eat or to yeah. um, Joni would take us down to the pool. 48 hours, we, we all got in a bus. The whole tournament got relocated down to down to Marikai. They did a great job. We had huge crowds. Um we went out, we beat the Netherlands, beat Chinese Taipei, um, yourself, you pitched in that Chinese Taipei, Taipei game. Then we hit the steamrolling Venezuelans in front of probably near on 15,000. Yeah, and that was crazy. They, that was quick. You could not hear. <laughs> I could hear my heart. Next to. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> um, lost that game and then we're staring down the battle barrel of we've just gotten through to the second round. Um, unfortunately, we take our losses through against Canada and, and Venezuela. So in the second round, 0-2, and, and we're presented with the task of Japan, Cuba, and the USA, and we have to win all three just for a chance <laughs> of, of a chance to play for a medal. Now, the Japan game. Epic start by Barks. You come in in the fourth. We're up by one run. Seven six. I'm pretty sure you know what happens after that. But a couple of scoreless innings, and then you come on in the seventh, and we've got a ten six lead. Take me through what you're thinking. Like how? What, you've talked about your heart a lot. What was? What was everything? What was going on? Because I can tell you what I was feeling out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was. I was a lot calmer in that game. My heart was beating out of my chest in the Venezuela game purely because of the crowd. You've never been around, you know, 15, 20,000 people and what that does to you physically um, until you kind of get control of that. So a couple of games later by the Japan game, um, definitely a lot more in control. Um, I remember throughout the the game um, talking to other pitchers in the dugout, every time they had a runner on first and third, they'd steal second pitch. Um, and so I was... I kind of, again, that naive thought of, I didn't know I was going out there, which I should have because I'd been in a meeting the day before um, with me and Barks and the coaching staff and Shay going through, you know, plan of attack for, for uh, as pitchers um, to attack their hitters and what the game plan was. And I probably just thought, oh, well, Barks is starting. I'm just here because we're rooming together. Um, not really... <laughs> gaining the magnitude of that situation um but then got told to warm up but I remember being in the dugout saying you know first and third they're stealing second pitch every time and so when I warmed up and in the fourth innings went out and it was first and third so literally my thought for the first pitch was don't hit this batter because I want to pick her off the next pitch because they're going to run and this was back in the days where you could do uh, the fake to three move and it wasn't a balk and then go get them in a rundown um, between first and second. So I went on with two out, um, threw the first pitch for a ball high, but was like, whew, didn't hit her. That was good. 
And then second pitch, I had a reasonable pick move. Um, so fake to three, runner goes, got her in a rundown, chased her down while keeping an eye on the other one and handed it off to Natters, I think, and she got the out and chased her down. So that was a pretty good one. One pitch, one out um, in that inning. So that went quite well. <laughs> um, and then came out for the next couple um, of digs. And I, I think, you know, you just felt, calm and confident because of the team that was around you um I remember Katie on first base she always gave me such confidence um and again that calm to go out and deal and Crepper at third base would come in with a, a good joke um every time she handed you the ball so for me yeah just trying to stay relaxed and and you know hit your spots basically and, and do what you're there to do um, and then in the seventh definitely got a little tighter but um, I remember uh, thinking okay well yeah I've I've got this because no one's in the bullpen you know this is yep this is my game here we've got this and um, remember Johnny Gaynor came out at one point when uh, we were facing Nishi um, and for those who don't know Nishi, she was the Japanese catcher. Probably the best way to describe her is like a sumo wrestler. Um, short, huge and powerful and, you know, hit the ball to the fence kind of thing. Super mobile um, as a catcher, had some wheels actually. Um, and our game plan was just pitch around her because we don't want her to hit anything. Um, and uh, at one point, I think got down 2-0 and on her maybe and Johnny came out and uh, he said, how are you doing, mate? I said, I'm good, man. How are you going? He's like, oh, God, like, don't do this to me, Lulu. Like, just, I'm a bit too relaxed um, at points, I think. And he was like, you know, put it, put it over the plate, see how far she can hit it. And I was like, oh, okay. Really? Okay. Yep. Let's do that. And um, went back and we ended up, she fouled a couple off and ended up popping up. And I think either Tani or Katie caught her out. Um, so, again, that was, it was just like confidence building all game our hitters came out did a good job put um you know some runs on the board there and we're up um and got tight in the seventh there and um came out again and gave the ball to Krepper and it's like oh fantastic like such a gun um such a gun utility kind of player and I was just so so happy to contribute um, to that game and then ultimately to contribute to success uh, with her and to there was such a team effort um, I think with with that game our, that whole tournament you know our hitters hit well and we had to win that game to give us a chance and to see us come out and do that um, you know I think was a testament to kind of that bond that we'd been building in lockdown um, for everyone to come out, play for each other. Everyone did their role and it, it truly was a team effort to get the job done. Yeah, and I remember the, the, the meetings at the pool. And yeah. we had the meeting the night before and yeah. we, we went around the whole group. The coaches weren't there and we just had a chat and I remember the, the day after we beat Japan, we all had to sit in the same seat, same towel, <laughs> yeah, same yeah. swimming costumes, <laughs> did the same order. I think we just said the same words. <laughs> And it must have worked because Cuba, go out. We go out. And we, <laughs> we blank Cuba. Kathy Welsh and Sinead oh, Flanagan. And then we we legends. come out against the USA. Never beaten them. We twenty three five, I think it was. And then we we hit Venezuela again in the yeah. prime. We finish. Um, we we thankfully don't finish fourth to play Japan. 
um, for that spot. We finished and we played Venezuela and we, we come out and I think that was 8-2. Um, an absolute stunning job on the mound. Complete game by Jacinda Barclay to get us into one of the best performances I think we've ever seen. When did you find out you were getting the gold medal? When the, the game? When, when did Johnny tell you he was giving you the ball? For the gold medal game. Yeah, so as we got off the bus um, back to the hotel, he said, mate, you're starting tomorrow. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, <laughs> uh, the whole tournament I'd been relieving and closing um, generally. So it was like, okay, flick the switch, um, different different role um, to play there. And it's really cool probably not many people know this me and just in the room together on that tournament and actually made video diaries um every not every night but most nights so which is even more special now because of the tournament um and just special to have those um and we yeah have videos of every night so like you said the emotions of beating japan we have them on video now to we just go through kind of recap of our day and what's going on tomorrow and um, I, I wish I kind of had that over um, obviously um, the the preparation and the performance for that gold medal game because that obviously didn't go very well um, and I think that was a big learning um, curve with that and especially with preparation like I said I'm quite relaxed and I think over the years um, I've become better at having that relaxed focus um, with that. So being able to, to relax with your breathing and everything, visualisation, but honing in on that focus, um, which Barks was um, amazing at with that. You couldn't talk to her in a game because she was just in the zone basically and then she'd go wild. Um, but finding, finding that balance... Um, I wish I had that over again because um, it just, yeah, went out, poor performance um, from myself and Japan just pounced um, on that. So it's it was an amazing opportunity, you know, first gold medal game for us and um, huge learning, learning curve for myself um, for that and hopefully we can uh, do that again and have another opportunity um, for a medal and uh, play in that position again and, be better. We move ahead to 2012. Mm-hmm. Now Australia, we went over there and we thought we thought we had a better team, as good a team. We're two years on. We've got the silver. Um, we all have high hopes as individuals as well. Now you went down. I think in the third game mm-hmm. was it against Canada, and you did your knee, mm-hmm. and we lost you. We didn't have you for the rest of the tournament. We just missed bronze again. We come fourth. Mm-hmm. From uh, from my perspective, I think you were quite the one of the best bench players we've ever had. Like, and I know you don't want to be remembered as a bench player. Probably you want to be on the field. We all do, but I think you contributed so much on that. What 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 did you take out of that? I mean, it must have been heartbreaking for you. But what did you take out of that World Cup? Yeah, super heartbreaking and super frustrating. Um, I tore my ACL in that game, and I, I knew I did it. Um, I torn my other ACL um, three years prior um, to that so I knew what it, it felt like um, unfortunately I'd already had two surgeries on the other knee and 
So as soon as it happened, it was just like that heartbreaking moment and just so frustrating because I got up, I walked off the field, kicked a trash can and, you know, went for a jog. And it's like, yes, I, I know I can jog, but as soon as I go to change direction, it's gone. Um, and so that was it. And I was having a good tournament um, playing right field mainly, um, that tournament and hitting and um, probably going to move into the infield um, as well. Um, speaking with Johnny, that tournament as well. Uh, so it was super disappointing um, personally, but from a, a team perspective, like you say, you just want to contribute um, to success basically. So it was just a matter of changing the contribution that I could make to the team. And, um, you know, I know we got, uh, we lost one game and had a, a big talking to um, from Johnny in the, in the dugout, a stern word, let's say, um, which we deserved, um, but um, came out afterwards with the players and it was just up to us to have a chat. And I remember speaking up a lot in that because that's what I could contribute um, at that point. And just that's about it. You know, you want to you want to see success and you want to be part of that success um, and trying to buy into the fact that a bench is a position. Um, that's one of the things that Jacinda Barclay says in whatever team she plays in, that you have to buy into the fact that there's nine players on the field, but the bench is actually a position as well. And it does make a difference, um, to, you know, winning and losing. Um, so I guess you, you learn a lot more from that tournament from my perspective. And it, it's not the on-field stuff, um, that I learn. It's all the little nuances off the field, trying to keep people relaxed, trying to keep people positive. Um, little things throughout the game that you might be able to help someone with and probably um, maybe quickened up my development with that side of thing and pushed into coaching um, more so with that um, because, yeah, that's what that's what I could contribute at the time. Now, I don't want to skip ahead and summarise your next three World Cups too quickly, but I guess in a nutshell, 2014, 16 and 18, you as an individual, you went around, you were pitching, you were infield, you were outfield. Um, you've become that person, as we've talked about, that you can put, you can give the ball to, you can give the bat to, you can pinch run. How have you embraced that? How hard is that? I mean, I found it hard enough just to play one position. You're playing multiple positions. How, how, do you, how do you approach that? How do you, I mean, I'd love to be able to play another position. It'd be great. But how do you take that on? Um, yeah, I think it's just, uh, for me, it's always been about keeping it simple. Um, I know obviously in every position there's so much that goes into it and there is the, the little nuances of every position of, of hitting, of outfield, of infield. But at the end of the day, playing outfield, you're catching a ball, you're throwing a ball to a target. That's, that's how it is in my head. To hit a ball, all you got to do is, as my mother says, hit the ball to where the fielders are not. Great advice. It really works in baseball. Infield is, you know, fielding ground balls, catching a ball, throwing a ball to a target. In its simplest form, that's what baseball is. And when you can go out and do that and do the simple things um, and do it with enjoyment, um, you, you're going <laughs> to have success, I think, if you work hard at that. Um, like I said before, I'm super lucky that I have my dad um, to do hours and hours of training, reps upon reps. So... 
I know I'm prepared for any position. I think I have played every position except first base um, in the Australian team. And that's a really cool thing. And it's something that I, um, uh, what's another word, kind of value myself on being able to be that utility player and being able to go in in any position in any situation and I believe that I can get a job done and it it is all about that preparation that visualization knowing that you've done the work I think that's a huge thing of what I try and encourage you know my teammates now that I think are superstars you've done the work do you believe on your best day you can beat you know Japan you can beat America Canada Chinese Taipei because I believe you can you know, and once you have that self-belief, you're halfway there, I think. <clears throat> mm. um, so, <laughs> pardon me. Um, it, it's just, I'm, I'm lucky, um, I guess, or blessed to have had the opportunity to play lots of different positions. And, you know, I think over the years, my bats got me into the lineup there. And it's just then about adapting um, to whatever role I need to play to, again, contribute I just want to change course a little bit here um 2020 obviously it was a, a huge year for everybody around the world um not just from baseball obviously world cups being postponed nationals were being postponed I guess f- for us in not just women's baseball um but yourself obviously being so close losing Jacinda Barclay for the listeners who haven't had the privilege to, I guess, know or even hear of Barky. Um, it's really hard to summarise her in just a few. It's 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 impossible. So, Barky was a champion person, no matter where she was, who she was with, what she was doing, what sporting field she was on. She was in the World Cup with us for for ten years. She was instrumental, if not the key, for us to winning a silver medal in twenty ten. She's represented Sydney GWS Giants in the, a- in the AFL Women's. She's represented Chicago in the US LFL. But she was just a champion person. I know how close she was. She obviously spent a lot of time with your family. How, how are you? How, how are your family? Um, yeah, it's tough. Um, very up and down for myself. Um, very, yeah, angry and um, upset obviously all the time um it's amazing to see you know tragedy brings people together and the strength that you get from support and love from everyone and the support that you know family friends the baseball community and the footy community and um friends of friends or friends of friends reaching out it genuinely helps um and it's again it it's so sad that a tragedy has to bring people together like that um but yeah she was she was family to us she was best friend little sister someone that um I live with worked with lived with my family a lot so um yeah it's horrible that she's not here anymore We all, we all have the memories of Barky. Um, we know she was an absolute demon on the field. She was an absolute total larrikin off the field. It's what we loved about her. What, how do you want people to not remember her, but take her with them? I think there's always, I think we all have that little bit of Barky 
on or off the field with us? What 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 is it that you hope that people just take with you, take with them? Yeah, like for me, she was someone that I looked up to um, so much, which is funny because she's younger than me. Um, but someone that challenged me to be better um, in baseball and just in life, um, really. So I think if if you ever met her, you, you'd see how humble um, she was, how hardworking she was and how talented um, she was, how bloody forgetful she was, <laughs> whether it be names, money, anything. Um, but she always had time for you um you know she was a professional athlete and that's an amazing thing and something that she didn't take lightly and something that you know she wanted to share with with her friends and with her baseball um peers that this is what it's like to be a professional athlete she was someone that pushed for women's equality, whether that be in sport, in work, in life. Um, and I think she was just someone that had an impact on everyone that she met. Um, you know, if you're going to learn something from her, it, it's work hard, train hard, but play harder and mean that in a have fun in life um, and have fun on the field and work your butt off to get wherever you want to be because um, there's no limit kind of thing. Your dreams are just things you haven't really achieved yet. So that was kind of her ideas. Um, you know, we have, she was just everything, I think. You know, everyone that met her um, has like a barky story. Would I think everyone that would meet her would, would gain something from her, basically. And we... I guess due to the pandemic and um, I know Greenway um, and also Springvale here in Melbourne, who she, she played with here in Melbourne, have done some touching tributes. It's uh, the Australian team, I guess the Australian squad hasn't had a chance to be together um, since since her passing. So I guess firstly to the Showcase series. For those, again, the, the listeners with the Showcase series, Australia has announced they're looking to put together what would be the second professional women's baseball league um, in in the world behind obviously Japan's and we have or well, baseball Australia's been trying to get a women's showcase with a couple of the ABL teams. The Australian squad will would play some um, matches. It's going to be broadcast on international television and played at the stadiums under lights here. And unfortunately, we've been hit by COVID three straight months: um, January, Brisbane and Adelaide; February got done um, again in when it was in Melbourne and Adelaide and then back to Brisbane and Adelaide got done again three months and three COVID outbreaks. We've just got the news today that we're heading to Adelaide again. It will be the first time the team has gotten together. You, I guess, putting the baseball aside, you're looking forward to, to I guess, to seeing all the girls um, that you haven't seen in probably nearly two years now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got to catch up with Foxy in Sydney just the other day and it was just so nice to be able to see um, like you said, some of those teammates that you haven't seen in so long, especially after a, a tragedy like this, just to be able to give each other a hug um, is, yeah, so, so, so nice um, to be able to see people and just to see what everyone's up to and we'll just be, it'll just be good um, to see everyone and make things um, easier maybe. 
and it's almost like the baseball's second to, to obviously everybody getting together. Um, for your for your perspective, from a baseball perspective, what are you, I guess, hoping to to get out of, and what are you looking forward to from Adelaide? Yeah, Maybe playing so... some first base. <laughs> no, I'll leave that up to the first baseman. That'd be good. <laughs> no, I'm uh, looking to get out there on the hill, um, do a job out there, and. I think, you know, especially with um, some of the younger players we have um, in the Australian squad, some girls that really throw hard, um, just kind of taking them under your wing and, um, <clears throat> you know, helping them develop their game and doing that by example. Um, I was um, newsflash scheduled to start um, the first game um, previously. So, uh, spoiler alert there. Um, we'll see what happens next time. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, something that I don't take lightly just to, to kind of set the standard, um, with that and go out and, um, yeah, deal basically. And I guess looking ahead, we're not sure when it will go ahead, but the 2021 World Cup, it'll be your seventh, um, World Cup you've selected and there's very few players, I think, Clearly, Shay potentially going to a ninth, Tani going to an eighth, and Kate Pesota, Ashley Stevenson going to eight. You're in rare company. Um, I know we not we don't play this game for for those types of stats. So, what is it that's fueling you? Why why are you heading to a 2021? What's what's still still burning for you? Yeah, for me, there's still a lot I want to achieve um, at that international level. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of success um, club ball domestically here at. at our national level but internationally there's still a lot um I want to achieve and you know just the chance to play for Australia with some of your best mates um that's an amazing thing to what would have been to you know go away with um Jacinda again to go away with um the O'Sullivans they're little things that I'd love to check off um you know my list Renee was looking at making a comeback for 2020. Like things like that are, are amazing from like a personal um, level. And then to see, so I coached the under 15 New South Wales team with players like Jordan Richardson, who has already been to one World Cup um, with players like Takara, Gildenhouse, like Madison Heath. I coached those girls when they were 14 to now see them, you know, six or so years later and you're playing alongside them and they're trying to make their Australian, like first Australian team or a second Australian team. That's such a cool thing for me. Um, and again, one of those things I'd love to check off there and I'd, I'd you know, love to see someone like Geordie get the opportunity to show the world how amazing she is um, and be there, um, you know, to, to help her and guide her through that. And, um, from a team perspective, I, other than um, Venezuela um, winning a silver medal there, I, I don't think we've performed to our potential. Um, and I want to see Australia and myself perform to our potential and, you know, go, go out and play your best. Um, I want to see us do that um, because, yeah, I, I think – we, we have the potential to win a medal easily, but we just haven't put all the pieces together on the field and executed on the day yet. Um, so that's something 
that, that drives me still um, to keep turning up and it, it's getting harder as you get older. I've had, you know, so many injuries over the years and again, that's a reason why I've played lots of different positions with just pitching due to fractured wrists and not being able to move due to ACL, Ricos and things. So for me, as I get older um, and mobility is, becomes more of an issue to me, taking over that uh, pitching role, you know, pitching is, that's my focus at that level now, um, while still believing that I can go out on any given day and do a job in any position if needed. But to kind of for me take over that barky role of having someone that can go out there and throw four or five digs um that would be something that I would love to achieve myself now and um put all that that time and effort into that pitching role and again guiding those juniors I had such great mentors when I was you know 18 coming through the ranks there so to be able to do that for the next lot of um, pitchers and players coming through um, <clears throat> and that other barky role of just being able to bring a team together you know I think we really missed her last World Cup um, with that and you know she just had a knack for it um, so to that that's the things that, that drive me I, I still want to achieve a lot um, I have had a lot of awards and things over the years but like you said that's not why you play you want to play to contribute to success um for me and I just want to see us go out there and I think you're a long time retired I think I remember having a chat with you on uh, the bus I don't know if it was 2010 or 2012 and you're talking about <clears throat> you know I think I I think I want to go one more world cup because I, I think I'm I'm still there um can contribute and everything and I don't was that 2010 or 2012 that would have been 2012 I went on to one more in 2014 yeah. There you go. So, and, and it's true. There you go. Because <laughs> I think, you know, you're a long time retired and I, I still believe I uh, can contribute at that, that top level and that's what drives you. And there are these younger players that are coming through, throwing heat. Um, and I, I don't think my arm does that anymore unless I've got all the adrenaline in the world. But um, I can come out and hit spots um, and do my job in, in a different way. And hopefully help yeah develop those younger girls so that they can be there for the next 10 years and and do that so well make sure you put yourself into some cotton wool look after yourself we don't yeah, need any more injuries gosh. i think we've we've definitely got there's a few world cups in you left that we want would love to see needs on the the back shirt there <laughs> at the world cup so um thank you i really appreciate your time telling us your story it's it's one of the best stories i think going around in women's baseball um and i think that yeah australia australia's in great hands with someone like you out there still playing so it was a privilege to play with you and privilege to chat with you today so i really appreciate you joining us on inside pitch my pleasure thanks for having me thanks for tuning in for today's episode of women's baseball the inside pitch make sure to check the show notes below for links to some of the things we've discussed and mentioned in this episode we would also love it if you could subscribe to the show and leave us a review. And if you have some time, throw us some love over on social media at Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. Catch you next time.